Hello, thanks for stopping by Liberty Sessions, where we unpack one woman's entrepreneurial journey to help another woman launch her own. I'm your host, Netta Jones. Please join me as we start liberating dreams one episode at a time. Well, hey there, Liberty listeners. Here we are again for another episode. And this time we're excited to bring to you Alexa Fisher, who happens to also be a friend, which is so fun for me. I just said to her before we came in, feels a little bit like I'm cheating in these episodes when I get to connect with people that I don't see very often. So Alexa, welcome and thank you. Oh, thank you. I think I'm cheating as well because okay. I was like, when you gave me the option to do this over the phone, I said, no, I want to be in the same room with you. <laughs> it's so much more fun, honestly, when we're together because I feel like it's just a different energy and I think mm. our listeners can hear it. You guys can tell us if you hear it. So um, I wanted you to just tell our audience a little bit about what you do, because there's quite a few things that you do. So I'll, <laughs> I'll let you take it from here. Sure. I I guess I'd like to always start off with explaining myself from that simple point of view of I've always loved people. Mm-hmm. Like that's my whole shtick. And I've been that way since I was a little kid. And I think that curiosity about people led me to a career in acting. And the interpretation of the human behavior and intentions and body language and vocal, all of that stuff led me to say, okay, I want to study acting. And I went to great schools and I worked consistently in TV and film. But then came that moment, that disconnect where you said, okay, I had this concept about what it was going to be to do this professionally. Because I've always had this other side of me that's very into business. Um, So I treated my acting like a business, which (laughs) many people don't do, trust me. But for me, I, once I was in it, in the industry, I actually had a moment where was I, I think it was my aha moment. Mm-hmm. And I was appearing in an episode of Bones and I played a lawyer. Something bad happened to my character. <laughs> and there I sat on the, the, the floor of the LA Times building with fake blood coming out of my mouth. And I thought to myself, oh my God, what have I done? Like, this is my career. Like mm-hmm. I'm just 15 hours on set, bored out of my mind, fake blood coming out of my mouth oh no, this is not about my love of people. This is not what I worked so hard to achieve. And it was a horrible moment. I was going to ask if it was a heartbreaking moment. It was terrible because, you know, someone, I like metrics of success. I do. And Mm -hmm. I always have. And I've always been a really hard worker. And for me, the, the hints that the entertainment industry wasn't exactly for me, was everywhere. Um, Because the industry, all the classic things that we see in the news and that we know about the industry really are true. Mm. And I found that I wasn't ready to give up all that hard work. But in that moment, I was like, I need a sign. I literally don't know what I'm doing. And this can't be the rest of my life playing role after role after role. So um, the universe listened, mm-hmm. and as you know, I'm a big believer in the power mm-hmm. of intention. And three days later, a good friend who I met on set, uh, she called me up out of the blue and said, Alexa, I have a very high-profile client, and would you consider doing some media training? And I didn't know anything about media training, but without me thinking, I said yes, because I knew all about this, this idea of, of how to embody 
your your intentions from that that's what actually what good acting is what do i want how do i get what i want and how does that come through in my voice and my body and my actions that's really great acting so i had this foundational knowledge but all the while when i was an actress what bothered me was that people outside of the interest industry would really compare themselves to the celebrities celebrities that they saw on tv Hmm. This discrepancy between saying, oh, I'm not as good looking or I'm not as successful or famous or rich or whatever those things are that people are comparing themselves to, they were putting themselves down while artificially putting these other people up on pedestals. And once you are in the industry and you're working with celebrities, the first thing you realize, oh my gosh, they're just like us. Right. And none of this is true. None of it is true. What was the thing that your colleague saw in you? What do you think your colleague saw in you that said, I have a high profile client that you should be working with to, to media train? What do you think That's that so was? That's so interesting. Um, and she and I are still such great friends. I'd love to ask her that question. I think our conversations connected on this idea that I really understood people. And that she had this client who was interested in kind of up-leveling her look, up-leveling her persona, but she felt that there was this artifice and that there was a little bit of a hesitation for her really showing up. And I would guess that she felt that I had an intuitive ability to really see the best in people and help them see the best in themselves. So... I, I guess I'm putting, I'm just sure, imagining, sure. I, I'm going to ask her this question because I really don't know. It's a great question. And, but I think that throughout my work, even though I do give people skills, really, I just give them the space to ask themselves, what do you really want? Like, what is that thing? I, I just had a client call me out of the blue. Uh, I mean, a new client. And she started the inquiry with, I want to, uh, I want to smile more. I'm on television and mm. I notice I kind of scowl. And I also notice that I'm going on dates and the feedback that I get, you know, from mutual friends who set us up was, oh, I wish you would smile more. And she said, you know, I just, I've been working so hard and I'm not smiling more. Sure. I just don't smile enough. And I said, okay, well, let me give you a little insight about how I work. I am never going to tell you when to smile and to smile more because that's from the outside in. Right. We're going to have a conversation to talk about what you want, what you are curious about, what you're missing, what you are longing for to make you genuinely want to smile more. And that there's something in us showing up that when we're not truly in ourselves, we're not just being truthful, then we feel that sense of mild anxiety. You know, the fakeness mm -hmm. that we feel in people's Instagram feeds and all this external stuff. And I, I do too. I, you know, I have a, you know, an Instagram account and, I've, sure. and I want my website to be professional and whatnot. But this humanity is actually what we're so thirsty for. And so I think my work, even though so many of my online courses are about very tangible exercises that are about communicating effectively, whether it's on camera, or on stage or whatever, at the heart of it, it is about connecting with the energy that's inside of you, something that I call your thousand watts, this light that's inside of you, so that you can connect to something you already have. You don't, it's not outside of you, it's inside sure. of you. So when people come to you, okay, so let me, for our listeners, let me kind of help round out exactly what you do. I think you've given us sure. examples. Yeah. But if they come to you, they can expect, well, who comes to you, I think, mm -hmm. first of all, mm -hmm. and then if, 
or when they come to you, what is their hope? What are they trying to achieve outside of the example of this particular client who said, I want to smile more? Yeah. Like, what are they in general looking for? Mostly it's about the confidence to talk. It's, okay. it's speaking skills. Yeah. All the work in Alexa the number Fisher. One fear. Yeah, yeah. Number one fear yeah. more than dying. Imagine yeah. that. Like, yeah. Actually, I think that to me, when you're really a confident speaker, you're the same person, whether you're on camera or you're on stage or you're in one-on-one -on -one meeting or you're doing an important presentation. The, that person, when you're really in a place where you've exercised all those muscles, it's the same. And I've seen you on stage. Mm -hmm. You're awesome. And you're mm -hmm. the same person. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just this like ease to it. You might be a little bit amped up on stage. Sure. There's a different energy there. But at the core, you're the same person person. Mm -hmm. um, and there are skills to get to that place. Some of it is internal, some of it is external, and a lot of it is practice. But all my work at alexafisher.com is really addressing that issue. How do you speak confidently with anyone in any situation? So that, again, has courses about on-camera, presentation skills, um, communication, just conversation. And, and it was interesting, as I was working with clients, Somehow, and maybe it's because my background is as an actress, and as I was formulating my methodology, I stumbled into the world of making online courses. Mm -hmm. Because if there's two, let's be very simplistic, if there's two ways to outline your ideas, it's the written form or the spoken form. And for me, the writing piece, there's always a little burial barrier when I sit down to write. It's like I have to like get my ideas and put them out on paper, and it feels a little cumbersome. Versus for me, I'm a talker. So when I am creating content, if you put me in front of a camera or in front of a person, it's very much feels like it's downloaded. And so, and that's not acting. That's just my way. And everybody right. has their, their way. That's my way. So when I was formulating my methodology very early on, I created a little mini studio in a spare room above a garage. I set up a camera by myself. And my first online course took me eight months to make. By myself, I like had a, I think I had, my first child was like a baby, but I would like run away and I would be like, I've got to work on my course. And nobody knew <laughs> yeah. what I was doing, yeah. but I was crazy. But I, I created this course called Speak Up, Stand Out. And I wanted to figure out, you know, what's my shtick? What's my way? And because I had, I said it got clients before I knew what I was doing. And it was only in working with them that I started to formulate this inside-out approach. How do I get people co to connect with what's holding them back, the limited thoughts that they have? How do they gear up and get more positive and exercise that as well? And then all the external stuff, looking at your vo vocal patterns, your physical, you know, your body language. And then from that course, you know, which is still selling today, literally, it's still, it's on one of my online platforms, it's still selling today. And, you know, part of me, I go, gosh, it's so old, I really should redo it. I mean, I really look so different now. And, but it's still out there helping people. So I sure. think, great, so you know, keep it, yeah, keep, keep it, it. but I just, I've made many courses since then. So, okay, so clients, let's talk about that for a second. Clients can be one-on-one -on -one clients, Clients can be organizations that hire you because they're having to speak to a board of directors or um, a larger audience. And then what you're giving them depends on exactly what they need. You sort Absolutely. of curate together what that's going to look like. And mm -hmm. there's an in-person opportunity as well as the 
courses that you have absolutely okay absolutely no i'll give you a snapshot of some of my um some of the work that i've done with corporations i actually had the privilege of working with the entire executive team of trader joe's for example and they're amazing but we did a, a full day immersive um together and the companies that i work with usually it happens is that somebody will find some of the work that I'm doing and they'll have a very targeted issue. Mm -hmm. In this case, when I connected with Trader Joe's, they had two different issues. I actually worked with two different divisions. And from that, we will then extrapolate a whole day or half day experience. Um, in some cases, I will have worked maybe one-on-one -on -one with an executive and then they'll she'll bring me on to a larger offering for their team. In that case, I'm thinking of a, of a technology company I work with in New York I helped them with big presentations that they were doing, you know, public conferences mm -hmm. to really hone their message and their delivery skills. Um, it can be team building experiences. So getting people all on the same page, let's say there's been a reorg and they want to get everybody onboarded. So it's this delicate dance between something as tangible as literally media training, which I still do, to something that's a little bit different where I'm taking and doing like a full company retreat, which I'm doing one next week or the week after. So it's just companies that are saying, look, we want we want to have a little of that feel-good experience, which inevitably is what I bring to all my in-person experiences, mm -hmm. but also something tangible. So it depends on the companies that I'm working with. I can imagine somebody like uh, an executive level person working with you and then saying, wait a minute, let's bring this to the team, whether it's other people who have public speaking opportunities or just to infuse how do we learn to communicate with one another and tell our story collectively. Exactly. Th that, that would be a, a great opportunity for you. So it's not necessarily media training for all the employees. No. It's just how do we become better at going out into the world and telling the story of what this company does? And then how do we internally better communicate or, and tell each other what we want from each other, what we need from each other for right. the sake of the organization? That's exactly right. And I'll tell you one of my, the, the, the moments that I love the most and I encourage my CEOs to do is really tell their origin story, their why. Because there is this Wait, wait, back up. What yeah. is your origin story? Like your origin story, like why did you start your company? Okay. Like what was it? Like why may, Why did you begin this whole thing? Why are you doing what you do? You okay. know, the whole Simon yeah, yeah. Sinek, like start yeah, with yeah, why. Yeah. But that moment where you have so many of us, and we know this, you're so busy doing like all the tasks, all the goals, all the, you know, there's so much happening that we often stop and appreciate why are we doing what we're doing? What is the humanity in the office? What are the dynamics? How are we communicating internally to raise everybody up? Because we all know we, we want to be seen, heard, valued, appreciated. We want to know that it's not just what we produce, but who we are that matter. Yeah. So when I go in and I'm thinking of a few different examples, well, I'll let the CEO say, tell your story. And I bet you that half of the employees here have never even heard of it before. I believe that. And they've never understood that you were once someone who was filled with doubt, who had this crazy thing happen, and you randomly sat next to somebody on an airplane who blah, 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 blah. You know, you there's this humanity. And then that person in turn says, I can't wait to come to work. Yeah. I can't wait to bring to my best further work. further this mission yeah. to further this. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we get excited about stories. Yeah. So, you know, I, and it, I think you made a really good point of just making that CEO or, or any executive level person feel human and feel just like you. It's like, okay, 
I get yeah. it. And I get who I can support and I can come alongside you as a peer. And yeah. It's, it's a unique way of looking at those people who are leading us and saying, okay, I see you. Yeah. Yeah. And inevitably in any company, especially the bigger companies, there is that tension between some relationships or individuals that are not working as well, needs to be smoothed out. I've, I've definitely taken some small teams and kind of said, hey, let's like work on some commu- interpersonal communication. I'm not like a conflict um, manager type person. I don't but know. Maybe I'm you a, are. I'm a people person. That, that's yeah. what I am. Yeah. So I have an ability to come in and say, hey, here are the skills, but I infuse everything with this common sense, feel good, golden rule philosophy mm-hmm. that I'm like, wake up people. Yeah. Like it, it is a problem that you're not doing the dishes in the kitchen. And here's kind of why. Yeah. And, you know, but, but I mean, I'm, I'm saying that in offhanded no, kind I've, of way. I've but, been in those offices. Right, yeah. right. Uh-huh. But it's all that little stuff. How do we rise together? And I think that whether that's, ha- I mean, it needs to happen in the office because look what happens when it happens in the government. Right. You know, it's no joke. It's no joke. So we have to do it in our homes. We have to do it in our workspaces. We have to show up in the world with this positive perspective of giving back and making this place a better place than you found it. It's very simple. So you have actually created an online course, um, one of many online courses, (laughs) but one that... um, that from it, I think you even have multiple courses within the thousand. Yeah. Watt. Okay. I'll tell so you about t- Yeah. Tell us about the thousand watt presence. W- yeah. What is that offering all about? Sure. Sure. So again, I touched on my philosophy a little bit, but your light, this light that's inside of you is something that I call all 1000 watts of you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, I think in more of the spiritual space, talk about your light. But I, there is some truth there. There is this divine part of us that has mm-hmm. everything that we need. We already have it. Nobody has to give it to us. And so when I developed my first masterclass, which is the 1000 Watt Presence Training Program, I wanted to hit on every aspect of communication that really comes up for many entrepreneurs such as myself, such as you. And, and it has to do with identifying overcoming fear, learning how to build confidence, then learning how to take that, telling our story in casual conversations, you know, that's networking events and things mm-hmm. like that, taking it then to more business settings like presentations, um, finally then turning it towards on camera. So how do you take that on camera? Because now being on camera is like literally your Instagram story sure. or Facebook Absolutely. Lives. I mean, there's so many ways that you can be on camera, not just, you know, in news programs and things like that. And I, and I wanted to give people all these resources. So I launched that. It's very successful. It's, it's, you know, I think it has over 10,000 people taking that already. But then I realized like, wow, that's kind of like soup to nuts. And maybe the person who is doing a presentation doesn't want all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. So I began creating, and, and that's actually what I'm doing now, is these thousand watt courses that are much more laser focused. So just last month, I, I did a thousand watt, this is some business offerings that I'm creating, a thousand watt feedback, a thousand watt networking, a thousand watt, Smart. you know, so it's a whole thousand watt library that I'm developing so that people can come in and not be in some ways overwhelmed with, you know, five hours of content, which is a lot, but say, you know what? I want a really great hour and a half that are going to give me short, actionable exercises so I know what to do when. Is the, I would think though that the the masterclass is that five hours is sort of needed to bring people inside your head. Like to kind of get them to... 
um, the level where they can receive the more targeted information and have some context? Is that or, or are they standalone? Yeah, you know what? I think it's both because no matter what I'm doing, I'm always coming from the same philosophy mm -hmm. and I weave the philosophy into everything that I do. Mm -hmm. So even if I'm doing an entire course for business leaders about delivering effective feedback and what a powerful tool it's going to be, the philosophy is baked into the course. Mm -hmm. You're never going to get something that's out of left field. Everything that I do is all sort of, it's baked into it for sure because it's, it's just the, the methodology that I use. Um, but I do think that if someone is looking for, I know even with my on-camera course, I have a course called Confidence on Camera, and even the, even the same philosophy is what are those thoughts that are holding you back? Um, there's an exercise that, that's an extension of that where I have people outline their strengths and their stretches. Their stretches are their weaknesses. Like, what do you really want to work on? Like, you don't have to be embarrassed about it and keep it locked in your mind. Just get it out there. You're halfway to fixing it just by saying sure. it, right? So, so everything, each one of those classes really does have that philosophy baked into it. Okay. How much of this, because it's interesting listening to you kind of talk through the confidence piece with people. Mm. And I have to ask how much of that is informed by your acting experience and your Yale drama school experience? Like how has that shaped the way you coach your clients, the way you create these courses, how much of that is coming from that? And do we have that in us, those of us who don't come with that background? Okay. I'm going to give you the best bit of news. Do it. Right I <laughs> have been rejected probably like 10 times more than any one of your listeners. So ironically, you probably asked me that question thinking that I came into this like with all this confidence because I've had this like I've been on TV and I've done movies and whatever. Yeah. But I've actually have developed con uh, confidence from the amount of rejection that I've had. That you get to a place where you just Not that you were don't, rejected. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, you are rejected so much for so many silly, nonsensical reasons. Mm -hmm that you you develop this resiliency and then you get to a place where it's not that you don't care because I'm a very caring person, but that it just doesn't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. Like I was perfectly poised. Or you poised. don't take it personally. You don't. Well, you can't because if I took yeah. all those rejections personally, I couldn't get off the floor. You know, I mean, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't use drugs. Yeah. So the, the, what I have to bring me up is my light. That's yeah. all I got. And, and, and when you understand that the rejection is a part of life and is a part of being a professional actress and also entrepreneur, mm -hmm. I'm sure you know that. Amen. That, that the learning comes from the failures, not from the successes. Mm -hmm. that, that, that if we own that more and we say that more and we claim that more, we get to be more liberated. We talk, we're going to talk yeah. about that. That liberty is from the fact that it is awesome to age. It is awesome. My gosh, Alexa, to have, preach. No, it is. Well, did you read the Frances McDormand article in no, the New York Times? No, oh, you I, must. I oh, gosh, it's okay, so good. Okay. But one of the things she talks about is so is she's it recent. We'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll it, add it in our yeah, show. Yeah, add notes. it in because okay. it was in the New York Times Magazine this weekend. And so she's 60 right now and she's awesome and we love her. And so she has all this stuff where she talks about she doesn't wear makeup and she doesn't want to do the Hollywood thing. And she's this great, anyway, so great. Just read the article. Yeah. But she also loves being 60. Yeah. She loves it because she's like, nobody cares about what we look like. We're not objects of sex and adoration and, and that there is such freedom in that. Yeah, and, it. you know, and being in my 
20s and early 30s and whatever, and really being in the entertainment industry and having, when I was like 29, my agent telling me that I needed, get this, an eyelid lift? Hello. I was like, excuse me? Like an eyelid lift? And this is from a female agent, yeah. not even a male agent. I was like, what? What is wrong with people? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and so, you know, this like sort of ageism and sexism, you know, when you, when you start to go, wow, it just doesn't matter. And, and the more that we as women and business owners and mothers or whatever, whoever, whatever label we want to give ourselves, the more we can go, this is just completely liberating that we don't have to play these games anymore. And by not playing them anymore, we get to share that energy, that sort of liberating energy with other people. Because you don't have to wait until you're, I'm 45. You don't have to wait until you're 45 or 60 or 75 or whatever. Who cares? Yeah. Imagine like a 23-year-old. Not having, having to buy into that nonsense. So, so I'm way off topic. No, I'm gonna tie it. I'm gonna tie it back for us. So, what I hear you saying is, it's not the acting experience or the experience of being in front of a camera or the experience of having gone to Yale Drama School. It's the experience of life. It's the yes. experience of taking those rejections and refocusing on what is of value to me and getting sort of inside that core. You talked about this, yes. the, the, the smile coming from the inside, not right. from the outside. So it sounds like you're able to say to people, you have this, this isn't because of my background that I'm able to give you this information that has informed my methodology perhaps. Yes. But it, you don't need that to be a brilliant communicator, to tell a great story, to, um, connect with people because you're able to do that. You're essentially saying yeah. we have that within us and it's, yes. and it's liberating us into that space that you're, yes. you're really teaching people, yes. whether it's through your online course or your one-on-one -on -one consulting or teaching a team. I right. think that's kind of what I'm hearing. When you think of the digital space that you've created and the one-on-one -on -one or the one-on-many, mm -hmm. um, live, mm -hmm. uh, offerings that you have, which of the two is sort of near and dear to you? Do you prefer that? I mean, I have a sense that maybe you really thrive in the one-on-one, -on -one, but I also know that you've been really successful in the course creation. Yeah. What do, what do those two things offer you know, for you as an entrepreneur? Ooh, that's so good. I, I think I, I've come to a place where I really acknowledge that I need a bit of both. I am a performer by nature and I have since I was a little kid, like I would like lip sync songs when I was three. So I, I definitely understand the performative nature uh -huh. of, of my being. And I, and I feel that when I am making courses and when I'm doing workshops and speaking engagements and all that, but I'll tell you the online course creation piece is exciting because, you know, I have students now around the world. I'll never meet most of them yeah. in 156 countries. It's awesome. And to get these random emails from people in India and Africa. And yesterday I got an email from this guy named Murph who told me that he's this 80-year-old guy who's like this like lifelong learner. I love this pit I person. I love Murph already. Yeah, I yeah. love Murph. And I don't know who he is. I, you know, yeah. and and so that piece, and I think for me, you know, I I love and I don't want to do I because that's a sort of like, you know, let this tool be out there in the world and whoever finds it, great. And they find it in from miraculous ways because I'm not a brilliant marketer. 
Wow. So that speaks but, to the power yeah, of the course. Yeah. yeah. But but the but then the other piece about working with people, there's an energy in the room and and you know, we feel it just yeah. doing this podcast together in the same space. So there has to be a balance, but I will tell you that for me if I was just working one-on-one or with small teams, it it would be enough from my mission place. My why was to be um, you know, a small warrior of the light in this force for good. And I wanted to, I knew early on intuitively that I wanted to use the internet to reach more people. Yeah. What I love Come about, I mean, I'm projecting a little bit, but as somebody who also enjoys being one-on-one and, mm-hmm. or one on a group, you know, um, yeah. it sounds very sexual. That's not what I mean. <laughs> Uh, um, what I mean is speaking to people, you know, in, in a live setting. Um, but I think what I've learned in having to articulate things on paper is that it keeps me focused. And mm-hmm. so I'm wondering how much of the course creation helped you sort of hone in on a methodology, on a specialty, on a unique Alexa Fisher voice and a yep. way of teaching and it seems like those two are somewhat compatible and they they lend themselves to one another in the same way that speaking in front of a camera for you was so easy and part of your course creation. Right. It was a both and sort of thing. Yes, yes. I agree with you. I mean, you know, again, intuitively, I knew I had to develop a mes- methodology because I wasn't going to reinvent myself every time a new workshop came up. Yeah. You know, there is a certain way that I work. And after years of doing it, that, you know, there's a way that I onboard clients and there's a way that I, you know, that I organize a, a proposal for a, for a client. But I also, I, I do think that the course has really had me think from beginning to end, how does someone actually get results if mm-hmm. they do the work? And hopefully people are more accustomed now and um, can focus enough on their own to do it, to complete an online course or to take the, you know, to, yep. to just to take it because it yep. takes a lot of uh, focus and um, commitment to actually complete it. But, um, but there's a place for, for a little bit of both. Yeah. A place for and I love both. that you've been able to essentially democratize this thing that you've created and it's so accessible. In fact, it's so accessible that I'll just do a little <laughs> pitch for you. People can go to alexafisher.com and yes. again, we'll have this in the show notes and you have a free component to the thousand watt presence that they I can do. access. I do. And I actually think it's a perfect place to start. It's okay. a free training program called the thousand watt presence free training program. It's three simple videos. Okay. They're about 10 minutes a piece and it, t- it, it starts with identifying some negative thoughts. So we all have them, figure out what they are. And the second talks about really connecting with people. How do you really just connect that moment of hello, that introduction where most people get stuck, especially Mm -hmm. if you're an entrepreneur, you're working on something new, maybe you're not really confident about it in the beginning, but how do you make that connection? And then the third video, I really wanted to challenge people to how do you dream about bigger opportunities? How do you see yourself on life's bigger stages? I'm a big fan of manifestation and and dreaming big, because honest to God, why not? You know, you can, so go for it. Yeah. And uh, and so it's just the three simple videos, but it's a perfect introduction to me, my work, and what it's like to learn from me, um, even online. And then people can choose to go deeper to absolutely, the, the absolutely option. Okay, of course, awesome. of course. And again, we'll have um, Alexa's site and then uh, a direct link to that, to sure. that course Thank on you. our show notes. So as if that were not enough... <laughs> Um, you're making us all look bad, uh, <laughs> no, us, no. us one mission type people, but you have a passion project that you've recently 
funded through Kickstarter, which I'm really interested in hearing about. Yes. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? And then I want to go back and ask you a question about Kickstarter. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about that passion project. Sure, sure. Well, yes, as you've sensed, I'm, I've got a lot of fire <laughs> under the old belly. And I did have a moment, which I call my shower moment. In the shower, I did download this idea for a product. Now, I'd never created a product before. I didn't really intend to create a product. But this idea literally came to me and it was a very, um, the name came to me, what I was supposed to do with it, how I was supposed to create it. Um, and it's called Wish Beads. And it's a product to help people articulate what they want in life. Many of us have dreams and ambitions, but we get bogged down in our daily to-do lists. But Wish Beads just gives you an opportunity to stop your busy life, go through a visualization where you imagine your wish as if it's already come true, even just a moment where you're just feeling fabulous, you know, making a dinner for friends, just something that your soul has been longing to experience, but you see it. Then you write it down in vivid detail. On that paper, you roll up and you create a paper bead bracelet with your wishes, your handwriting visible on the outside. I know it's visual, it's a podcast, but stay with me. (laughs) Um, And you wear that beaded bracelet on your wrist so it's in your field of vision meaning that what you focus on, you attract. And by keeping it in your field of vision, you are inspiring yourself to take action towards getting what you want. And those are that's where kind of movies like The Secret kind of left off. Like they think you just can like sit in your lazy boy chair and just think it. But you have to actually do things to make it happen. Sure. And I think writing it down is one of the most powerful things that you can do, actually. Absolutely. It, it gives it real legs. And then you sort of you kind of own it in a, yes. in a different way. And yes. it's great looking. I am <laughs> I am looking at it and it happens to be great looking. I can actually imagine like parties where everybody has Totally, they're called little, wish circles. Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. So yeah. you have them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But where everybody gets a box and then they're yep. creating those and even just encouraging one another in that circle. Um, totally. And then you also have, I think it's soon to be launched, but it's something that yes. I can't wait to get. So yes. tell us about the second bracelet. So I was doing a wish circle with a group of, of individuals and one of, woman who was there is a dear friend of mine and she said, you know, Alexa, I love this. It's very crafty. It's very inspirational. But I'm someone who Who's more of like a jewelry person. And so she's like, I think it'd be great to have a more ready to wear version. So um, I, at first I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, like oh, another product. And, you know, yeah. but then like three hours later, I had driven a sketch, literally on a sketch piece of paper and boom, there it was. And it is a ready to wear bracelet with beads with a little cylinder in the center where you can still write your wish down. The paper is only about the size of a fortune cookie, mm-hmm. but you write your wish, you roll it up and you insert it into the cylinder, again, wearing it on your wrist so that you're inspired to take action. But like the other, you know, wish beads kit, even this ready to wear bracelet comes, uh, you can get a journal that goes with it, but it comes with a 21 day experience. And these are small little daily prompts for you to witness something during the day and write about it at night. Why? Because you are literally training yourself to focus on the good stuff. So one day might be a prompt to invite you to notice three smiles during the day. Mm. Literally, something as subtle as that takes you out of a headspace of, oh my God, this world is overwhelming and I can't deal, to, wow, nice people around me. 
it is feels so good to smile yeah. at somebody else and have this real human exchange. So such simple stuff, but wish beads is really that tool to put people in that happy, proactive place. That's all it is. Right. And even though those things are so simple, they're so they're things that we take for granted. Completely. And things that if we don't open our eyes to them, right. we miss them. That's right. So a lot of times we hear these things and we're like, yeah, yeah, I know there are people around me smiling, but we're not acknowledging that. Yeah. We're not acknowledging who they are. We're not smiling back. And it's amazing what that does to us internally yeah. when we kind of switch our our internal light onto those things. Um, yes. Okay, I'm getting that. And you forgot to mention <laughs> that the beads are very cool. They're I've very seen cool. one that's kind of turquoise looking and one that yeah. looks like it's a almost volcano. Yeah, there's yeah. lava rock. Yeah. Um, there's labradorite. There's, yeah, um, they're, yeah, they're beautiful. They're, they're beautiful. super cool. And then that's a, that looks like a brass sort of yes, it's cylinder. Yes, it's a brass, it's a brass it's, cylinder. Yeah, it's beautiful. I'm super psyched. I'll, I'll take 10. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we'll have, we'll have all of that. That, that second one, by the way, is that going to be up in the next I few am, weeks? I am hopeful. So it is now October. I'm hopeful that my first order is coming in at the end of October. So and I'm actually holiday, planning. Maybe? Yes, okay. yes, okay. yes, yes. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's nuts. It's been a really wild so journey. You, so you launched this or you funded this with a Kickstarter campaign. I did. I would love to hear, and this will just roll us right into the expertise um, or kind of getting your your how-to pieces for our listener. We'll just roll right into that. How did you organize how much money you needed for Kickstarter? Were you nervous about funding and were you not going to do this if it didn't fund? Mm. And how did you come up with the... um, the the independent offerings like if you spend if you if you oh. give twenty dollars you yeah, get yeah. X oh, yeah, yeah. can you answer those three? sure 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 okay so when I had this idea and as I said I'd never created a product before fortunately ten years earlier I had a friend who was in the manufacturing business his family was manufactured and so I started collaborating with him very on the side on the side on the side and saying like well what is this I mean I would shop at like Daiso to try to figure out like how to actually create this thing that was in my head. So it was a lot of experimenting, you know, experimenting, um, planning out what it was going to actually cost to manufacture, what would be the minimum order quantity to make it happen. So I had done a lot of that laid work. And so that's where that, that amount came to. So the goal was 25,000. I knew that that's what I needed to move it forward. Um, you know, I'm still working and doing my own business and, you know, I have a family and all that other stuff. So I, I knew I needed that money to place that first order. That was really the biggest metric of success did not factor in things like building websites and marketing and all that stuff. So sometimes you just have to throw yourself in and, sure. you know, again, that resilience, uh, resiliency piece is really huge. But when it came time to actually create the offering, all you do is you look at other people and you just get creative. I would draft up different levels. I would send them to friends and be like, what do you think? You basically have no idea. You're totally making it up. So, you know, I had to find the sweet spot between it was enticing enough that people would do it, that it wasn't that you would still afford to ship all the units when they came in. So there was a little bit of a creative offering. And then there was a few Hail Mary offerings, which are people (laughs) that are just like, don't you love me? Like, whoa. Now, I was joking that towards the end, (laughs) Kickstarter campaigns are tough. Yeah. You do not send an email and be like, yay. No, you send an email and you get this lovely surge in the beginning, the first 48 hours where you think, this is awesome, and then crickets. Because basically, the people that are going to support you have. They did. And then there's that gap. So I will tell you, towards the end of the Kickstarter campaign, as new client work was coming in, I am not... 
I, I think it's within the rules to actually confess that some of my last clients that came in, I made them pay me through my Kickstarter yeah. campaign. I've heard things I was like this like, before. I was like, yeah. just go at that Hail Mary. I think I actually call it the Hail Mary level, but whatever level that was, like some wish goddess level, yeah. I don't even remember. Um, I had them pay me through the Kickstarter campaign and because I needed to, right at the end, to just push to me just over the push top. over the edge. What, when you came up with the amount, what was it? 25? 25,000. Yeah. So I've heard like a 19.5 is a, is a sweet spot. Like mm -hmm. don't go over that unless you really have a large audience or you're kind of a person of note. Yeah. What do you think about that? 20,000? Yeah. I think that would have been much less uh, nerve wracking for okay. me. 20. Yeah. I mean, you need to But sometimes you can't do, yeah. yeah. And you can't do five. You can't do 10. You're not probably going to get very far on that. Yeah. So you don't want to have the, um, because it's very hard to ask people for money afterward. Yes. So really think about what you actually need to launch and start from that truthful place. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. So for those, I want to go back to the course creation. Mm -hmm. For those who are thinking of offering an online course, Kind of what's your number one piece of advice and your big warning, your number one warning? Oh, boy, that's an interesting thing. I think there's a resource that I do want to share with people. Um, I, I have worked with a few different uh, publish, publishing platforms. Mm -hmm. um, Teachable is one I would recommend that people look at. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty robust platform and there's a free level. Um, the second thing that I would say in terms of uh, so let me just be clear for those who aren't familiar with the space. So Teachable or any of these platforms that Alexa is referring to would be a place where you would download your course so that it would be available for more people to, to view. Correct. It's literally basically the back end of your website so that people could find you through your website, purchase it through your website, but actually the course would be housed right. on this platform called Teachable and you can have downloadable PDFs and, and you know, it, it's robust enough that it eliminates a lot of this, this real tech complicated component, which is building it on your own website, which you really shouldn't do anymore. It's, it's not, and it also, it's also your course would be searchable through teachable as well. Right. I, so, I'm not positive about okay. it because I'm actually new to teachable because all of my courses are I housed on my site. So yeah. I think so. Right. We'll have to double check on that. Yeah. But I think it opens up your community essentially, because yeah. now you have people coming searching for how do I get in front of an audience and talk? Right. Oh, Alexa Fisher has a course, but we'll, right. we'll double check on that. Right. Anyway, I interrupted. Right. No, no. I just think the other thing is I think that people look at people who do this very professionally using high-end equipment and they're really elegant. I don't know if you've ever looked at Marie Forleo's B-School yeah. and you look at that as an example and you think, oh I can't gosh. possibly do yeah. that. You don't have to. I know many, many very successful course creators. And one of the reasons why I created that course, Confidence on Camera, was to show people how to make great looking videos with your iPhone. Okay. Because I think in the beginning, what's most, the most important element to teaching is you. It is not the lighting. It's not the quality of your camera. It's not the background. All of that, you can, you can kind of fudge and make it look good, especially with the sound as a key component. But you on camera, looking into that lens, connecting with your ideal student, um, sharing your information in a really concise and compelling way, that is the most important thing. And if you're considering making an online course, don't dive in just thinking, oh, I'm going to create this course. I'm going to sell it for thousands of dollars. Too much pressure. Yeah. Begin with doing Facebook Lives, begin with using Zoom or Skype, working one-on-one, -on -one, practicing looking into that little lens, and start to see yourself as an on-camera 
persona. See yourself as a teacher on camera. And -hmm. you can do that in very low stakes situations, even in a Skype call or a FaceTime call, but you must do it really consciously. So in the Facebook Live and the Skype scenario, it's just with somebody who would hire you as a client or just a small group of people for free just to kind of test it out? I do. Yeah, I do. So let's say you have any type of course that you wanted to create, even if it was a free course that you want to offer on your Mm -hmm. website. What is the best advice that you give to new clients? You know, something that you can think of that's like, this is my area of expertise. This is my advice about this. And see if you can create a scenario where you teach that thing on camera. Okay. So Facebook Live, because the live component can be intimidating for mm-hmm. people, throw up your camera or your webcam or something that's easy. Mm-hmm. Do very simple setup so that you you know have decent lighting, a decent background, so it just looks decent. And ask a friend, does this look decent? You yeah. can start there. <laughs> and start to think about how you would make a two-minute video about it, like okay. almost an FAQ page for your website. A welcome video, something low stakes. If that seems intimidating, then literally make a video message for a friend. So if you want to wish your brother a happy birthday, set up your camera, look into that little lens, not at your beautiful face on the screen, look into the lens because then your viewer will think that you're looking at them and send them a short video message. That is the beginning of becoming an online course creator. And and if you're sending this to your brother, all you need is your iPhone. Yeah. If you're send, if you're making an online course, what do you need? It's still your iPhone. Still you can your still iPhone. Your, okay. Still your iPhone. But I have, um, you know what? I'm going to try to dig this up so I can give it to your listeners. But a little equipment list because there are some really oh, nice. cool DIY like clip lamps that you get at Home Depot with like cool lighting that you know you know LED cool yeah. lights that give you that good lighting. You don't have to spend a fortune on a bunch of equipment. So I have like some serious. Okay, we're gonna you hold you do. to I that. I know. I'm gonna those give you. would be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll put it together for you, and you can you can just have that. But but those but those kinds of hacks are the are the type of thing that if you've never created a course, don't start with the course. Start with just being comfortable on camera yeah. while you simultaneously start outlining what kind of content well, you want to create. And I would think that that's uh, your brother's birthday aside. I would think that that would be a great way to just start to aggregate an audience that wanted Absolutely. to hear your voice. Like yeah. do a few free whatever, yeah. you know, get used to it, use it um, to get used to talking to that, that lens, to get used to seeing yourself on camera and also to invite people into a free setting where they're like, yeah. oh, I really like her. I think I will pay for whatever that yes. next level is. Okay. So I want to talk about one of the reasons people create online courses, and I hear this with clients all the time, I just need to create an online course. I just need a passive income stream. And for some reason, that (laughs) communicates to them that it's easy money. It's like money left on the table. And they don't realize that it's not just the work of creating the course. You have to continue to market to those people. I mean... If a tree falls in the forest, like, and no one's there, does it make yeah. a noise? Like, yeah. if you have this thing sitting yeah. out there and no one goes to it, no one knows that it's available for them, what have you actually done? And it's yes. it's beyond passive. Yeah. <laughs> like a, so, yeah. again, in creating a passive stream of revenue, what can we anticipate um, in terms of workload, in terms of what we need to do to get that offering on the table and then to be successful at selling it. Yeah. Gosh, that's such a great question. And I think that it's like young actresses or, you know, friends are like, oh, Lexi, you talked to my friend. She just came to LA. She wants to be an actress. And I'm like, oh, yeah. 
God. <laughs> so because it's a, it's a long game, you know, you've yeah. got to play the long game. There is a tremendous amount of work to becoming a really good online instructor, even a decent one. Yeah. And yet it's totally possible. So it's this double-edged sword. The passive part comes much later. In the beginning, you're like, oh my gosh, I've just done all of this work and it's for this little amount of money. And yet somebody said to me the same way of writing a book. You think like, oh, I'm going to write this book. And you've done this tremendous amount of work. You've done this book. And yet the actual money from a book comes comes kind of later-ish if you're lucky. And so when you reorient yourself in a certain way, you go, okay, so what is is my short-term expectation? What is my long-term expectation? Who are you modeling yourself after? Is it the $2,000 master program and some of these giants in the online course creation space? Well, have you led to believe that you too can be making your, your first million dollars? And look, there are some outliers. Some people do in the same way that somebody shows up in LA and boom, they yeah. get to be the next, you know, you know, LA thing. Yeah. <laughs> so there are some outliers, but for me, I've had this this push pull with it. There was times in my life where I was really focused on it and I would make some money and then I would not pay attention to it as much. And then my my earnings would kind of these were still on the side because I was still doing other things, but it would slowly, slowly, you know, kind of level, I guess. And then recently, one of my online publishing partners is Udemy, U-D-E-M-Y. And I've been with them since the beginning. I partnered with them because I didn't, I wanted a place to house, you know, the courses themselves. And I ended up being a partner of theirs. Um, But now I am so grateful that I have been with them for, for as long as I have, because now it actually is passive. I mean, now that those checks come same day, I have not, I mean, as I'm sitting here, people are buying my course, but that took years. Yeah. I've been with them seven years. So now is the time where it's not too late to do online courses, but the idea is to, to do it as the long play. It, it does not become passive for a long time. I don't know, long time. And for in a while. that period, you are very active. Incredibly you are, you are active. Not passive. Yeah. I am not passive. I am always building new content. I'm becoming better at the course creation process. Um, and people have asked me to like teach people how to do it. And I'm happy to give pointers, but I'm not in, I'm not really in the, it's not what I love to do to be like, that's sure. why you make your online course. Sure. But I'm happy to share my, my best, um, my best tips. It seems as though one way to approach it is develop your expertise. Yes. Get people to really know who you are as an expert and use, use the, um, waiting period to develop something that can give you maybe one-on-one clients where, yep. where you've got something to show them and really anticipate that the, I love that you're calling it a long game because I think really an, you can anticipate that in year three or four, I'll start to see some of this income go- coming. Now, again, we talked about the outliers, but I think it's it's better to prepare for not being an outlier and then be pleasantly surprised when, totally. that, when that happens and when that yeah. comes. In the meantime, you've developed an expertise you're getting maybe seminar, you know, uh, in-person seminars that you can yes. sell or speaking gigs or or whatever as a result yeah. of developing and honing that yeah. expertise. The, um, I, I want to ask just because you had talked about you can still create these things, like it's not too late. And I read into that a little bit to mean there's so much out there Yes, that um, it's not too late, but just plan for it taking a long time. How do we, in your estimation, 
cut through that clutter? And this is a question I often ask, no matter what platform I'm talking to people about social media or otherwise, but in the course creation, there are so many giants out there and there are so many non-giants. There are, there, there's so much to choose from. That is true. How do we create something that not just how do we stand out? Cause you can, you can sort of stand out and not be good, but mm-hmm. what do we do to really, again, what do you think we should do to really be focused, to be specific, to gain a loyal following, to get people to come back and pay again? Like what are the things that you think are important to cutting through the noise? I think you have to really ask yourself before you begin, if this is what you really want There's so much that's involved with it that I would start with something as simple as like a YouTube channel. YouTube channel can drive to a paid course, but you have to, there's so much perseverance and dedication and focus and and labor that it's required to making courses, maintaining them and all the rest Mm of it, that if that fits in your business plan, it's something that you're genuinely up for doing. I find as entrepreneurs, there's a million things that we could be doing in our business, but we have to focus on the things that we genuinely love. Mm. And online course creation, while viable for all, is not going to be the best fit for everybody. Because if you inherently have a resistance to every time you put yourself on camera, it's gonna, your audience is going to feel that. Sure. And so and you and the emotional drain on you. And the emotional yeah. drain and so before people even really consider not that video courses should they should do it is if they genuinely want to. And I think when you come from that place you'll find your way to what feels right. So if you like putting yourself on camera and you want to do it in a way that's easy and not very expensive starting with you know mm-hmm. easy equipment like your phone and some DIY lights and whatever and sound um, begin there and see if that fits in to your business plan, to your rhythm, to your, you know, the tasks that you're doing on any given day. Because you may find, and I've and I've worked with people that have always said, oh, everyone says I should be on camera. And then and then the liberating idea when they're like, you know what, it's just not for me. Yeah. Like I could. I don't want to. Yeah. Yay. And that's not as life-giving as maybe I thought it yeah. was. And I and I don't want to diminish my offering by having something out there where I don't shine yes. or where I don't. Now, I want to play devil's advocate for yep. a moment because on Udemy, there's a really successful story of a grandma, I don't remember her name, mm-hmm. who was all into making sourdough bread. This woman made a small fortune making courses about different kinds of sourdough bread you can make on Udemy. And this is another idea that if you're like, okay, like my business, my consultancy or whatever I'm doing as an entrepreneur, you know, I've built this thing, but I kind of love like calligraphy or I, I'm in like super into gift wrapping or I've got this other thing that I do as a side. Mm-hmm. I love, um, do you know Chris Gillibro? The yeah. Yes. Yeah. I love him so much. Yeah. Anyway, I just saw him and he launched his book Side Hustle or like how to start a side hustle, uh-huh. whatever it is. I love that side hustle. Um, but this idea that even maybe online courses could be literally your passion project. That's some, like something that's, that's something that's not as precious as an important as our brands that we create or whatever. Sure. Maybe it's this side thing. So there's, there's some liberation in like, oh, it doesn't have to be all branded fancy into my newsletter. Like maybe if you come from this creation place of like, I just love this. And I want to show people how to do something. Absolutely. It also opens up a whole other world. Yeah, I, just as you're talking <laughs> about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, people, who, I know people who want to have cooking shows. I'm like, yeah, start teaching recipes yeah. 
through a course and just I hadn't even send them about. to your friends. Yeah. So I mean, so that's the weird thing. It's like suddenly I love that. when I have this audience, I mean, I haven't done one of my like passion project, you know, courses, but you know, if I have a passion project, I, you know, I'll put it out, make a course, low, low, low quality, not low quality, but you know, yeah. simple course. And you throw it up there to the people who already like you and be like, sure, I want to learn origami or sure. I want to do fill in the blank. You know, I mean, you just, it doesn't have to be so precious, but yeah. if you come from a place of fun and curiosity and like, why not, uh, you know, that might be a way into the world of online course creation or like starting a side hustle. Well, I, it, it's reminding me of that Britain Co. Site. Yeah. Like, isn't yeah. that, that's all it is. Yeah. There, there are videos of people showing you how to do certain things, crafty yeah, sorts exactly. of things. So and if you have like a group of pals yeah. and they're curious about the way you do fill in the blank. They're not curious about anything. Yeah. In my case, <laughs> but for other people, yes. Yeah. yeah. But I think that that's another kind of fun way into it. And then if you come from that place of fun, that's what people feel. That's Im- that's really important. I'm glad yeah. you added that because I, I think that is something that takes the pressure off of maybe this isn't for me. Maybe there's another way to create passive income. Yep. Um, and, and also to know that it, it, you're going to be in it for the long haul. So make sure that you like it a lot. Yeah. You got to yeah. like it a lot. Yeah. You got to like it a lot. I appreciate that. Thank yeah. you for that. And thanks for kind of your honesty and how long it's taken you and the things yeah. that you've done. Cause I, I think that's, that's how we learn and that's how we're inspired by yeah. hearing somebody tell us the truth. Yeah. So thanks for the truth. Sure. Um, so it's hard to have you like right here in front of us and not ask <laughs> you for your sort of expert tips on how we can become great communicators. I mean, there is no one I don't think left in the world that's not trying to tell their story, whether True. it's through a resume because they're trying to get a job, mm-hmm. through my 12-year-old son who's running for student council today oh, and oh, was crafting <laughs> his... His, uh, his little speech last night and trying to convey something, people who are conveying something on Instagram story or even just visually. How do we, Alexa Fisher, oi. the expert, oi, oi. how do we, what are your tips? Let's, let's ask mm. it that way. For becoming better communicators. And what's the one thing that you see all of us sort of crippled by or the mistake that you see us making over and over? Mm. Wow. Okay. You know, for me, I think, and I'm going to go back to that Frances McDormand article. So she doesn't like taking pictures or autographs. She hates all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so what she says to people instead is, I'm not an actress so that I could have all the photos and autographs and all that stuff. That's not my deal. So basically she's saying to the person, no, you're not going to get that. She said, but what I do love is the human exchange. So I'm going to get really present with you right now, and we're going to have a moment together. And so that person who walked up to her for an autograph is not getting an autograph, but they're getting FaceTime hmm. with Frances McDormand. I got the chills, yeah. And I thought, my God, in this world of endless feeds and updates and pings and noise and stress, this notion that it's never good enough that we as human beings are not curated enough, Mm -hmm. that we with all of our flaws and our fears and insecurities, my my invitation to everyone listening is this idea of getting really present with people. And that place where it's not about you and your insecure, nagging thoughts inside your mind that we all have, including me, 
But the idea of saying, when you show up, when you're with people, it's about the other person. Mm. It's about looking at them and being present with them and sharing a moment together. And then there's no right thing to say and wrong thing to say. And what do they think about you? None of it matters. Because right now we are feeling the intensity of living on this planet as we are dealing with one disaster after another the gift of being present here is all we have. Mm -hmm. We don't know what's going to happen. And so it doesn't matter if it's just new people that you're walking into a room and experiencing. That's the deliciousness of life. So while I could give tips about honing your story and all that, right now I feel like as humans, we need to remember how amazing it is to be alive in sharing air with one another and looking into each other's eyes and touching each other's humanity. And whether it's coming home and looking at our kids and really listening to them and not jumping to when is dinner being made or what email I have to return, all the stuff that we do. Yep. I mean, <laughs> I'm like, you know, as bad as the next person, you know, my, I hear my kids about to come in right in the morning panic. and I panic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Panic. Oh my God. Yeah. Especially because today was conference day, no yeah. school. Um, but you know, to be like, I'm not on my phone right? Yeah. I have a bad habit. Yeah. I'll get on that phone in the morning, mostly to check the news. And um, I think for me, that's where I am with telling people is reminding them about their being present in their own lives, even if they're by themselves. But then when we have a gift of showing up at a networking event, it is not about how many cards you can get and how many leads can you make. It's just about meeting someone and say, how can I be of service? I want to tune into them. Enough yeah. about the chatter in my own mind. The, there's so much wisdom in that because if you're there to, let's say very strategically, you're at that event to share your story. Mm -hmm. You're there to say, hey, whatever I created is up and, and ready for the taking. If you're present with people and you're serving first and you're asking first and you're leaning in to listen first, you actually end up knowing if they're going to be a good listener. Yep. You actually end up knowing if what they need from you is something that in the long term, it's that long game again, is um, perhaps you answer a question that they have and they never heard AlexaFisher.com. They yep. don't even know what you do. Right. But the question that you answered is like, where is that woman who helped me? Yep. And the the loyalty that is um, built or that right. begins there comes from a place of being present. Right. And so in essence, we end up doing the very thing we came to do, but yeah. it becomes so much more powerful yeah. because we're not, I mean, don't, and I've been to networking sessions where, or, or opportunities where people got the memo that you have to ask what somebody else needs. And so they'll say, how can I support you? And I'm like, I know I went to that conference too. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was, I was there. We were probably in the same room and their intentions are great, but I'm like, you're, are you really listening yeah. or, or is this your entry? You know, this is your one line sentence. To, it's like, it's like yeah. a cheesy dating hey, ask. Yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I really, I yeah. love what you've just said because I think it's, it makes it so much more organic. It yeah. makes it so much more real. It makes it more meaningful. And the impact, I think, is longer term. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think that's where you start. And then, you know, and then I'm quick to say, you know, I, actually, the, the other course that I just made is the 1,000-watt networking because I am a believer that you should 
work on how you talk about what you do. So even if you, yeah. we, we weren't planning on talking about wish beads, but I know how to talk about wish beads, especially if no one can see it, but I wear wish beads. So in those moments, if it naturally arises, this is what I'm doing. You know, this is one of the projects I'm working on. There's a way that I talk about it that hopefully people get it right yeah. away. And that's just, that does take work. It doesn't matter if you're yes, a divorce attorney or if you're a product creator or if you're in tech, you do need to strategically talk about what you do in a concise and compelling way. Yes. So it's a one-two And punch. that does take practice. It does. When people come to me and I ask them what they do or what they want to do and 20 minutes later, I'm like, okay, so let's work on that. Yeah. Let's, let's work yeah. on how you tell that story right. or get that pitch down where we haven't lost the attention of the person we're exactly. talking to. So I appreciate exactly. that. Okay, Alexa, you've been giving us lots of great um, <laughs> insight and wisdom. And I think we have several things that will show up in the show notes that we're all going to take advantage of. But I want to get to this really fun part of the interview where people just get to know you a little bit more. Okay, let's do it. Um, so we call it our quick six. So I'm just going to ask a question, answer, first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Would you rather work uh, in a nine to five or a flex schedule setting? Oh, my. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love the movie Nine to Five. That's just I am all story. about the flexibility. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd think, like to work in parallel universes simultaneously. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> let me let me know when you figure that out. Okay. Good. Um, vacation. Do you prefer the mountains or the beach? I like the mountains. I'm a tree person. Even though you live near the beach, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I like both, but I'm a real, I, I love the trees. Okay. Yeah. I love that. Um, and then would you rather work from a home, your home or an office? Oh, tricky. I I do make my my work out of, I have a home office. So, and I and I enjoy that. However, I do find that it is very distracting. So, I think at some point an office is in my future. Yeah. And sometimes it's just good to be inspired by other people who are working and yeah. not staring, you're not looking at the laundry. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I had to get out of that situation. Yeah. Um do you prefer working alone or with a team? And I want to qualify this because you you're, you create your work alone. I do. But you often find yourself in situations where you're working, you're hired to work with a team, which is Definitely. Your sweet and spot. I love hiring. I love working um, with other people's teams. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I do work virtually with my own team. Mm -hmm. So it's not, I don't create everything soup to nuts by myself. I definitely have a team, but we work virtually. And, um, but I will tell you, there will be a time in my future where I can definitely see FaceTime with people that I am working with who are on my team. I look forward to that. I don't have it yet, but I know it's in my future because it's getting to a place where actually running two businesses simultaneously is yeah. not, I'm not no longer effective doing both sure. if I'm taking it all mostly myself. Sure. Um, let that be a lesson to all of our listeners. Yes. Yeah. Be, beware when there's a second offering. Yeah. Um, and then I think this is the hardest question. Do you prefer Thai or Mexican food? Very difficult. That yeah. is a very difficult I one. I and I throw was, everyone I, off. Yeah, but actually really good Thai is going to be my Okay, vote. I love yeah. it. We're back to Thai. We thai, were strong thai, on the thai, thai, thai in the beginning. I love Mexican. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Yeah. But Thai food I'd never cook at home, not yeah. ever. That's true. That's actually, yeah. well, there's an attempt, but no one in my family would call it Thai. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. Anyway. Impressive. <laughs> no, no, it's actually not. <laughs> um, and then just to kind of bring it back to something that you brilliantly touched on early in the first half of the interview, our podcast is called Liberty Sessions. Um, the company is called Liberty. And really, it's because we believe we can help women become liberated mm. through considering their possibilities, through pursuing a venture 
um, that is meaningful to them through pursuing their calling. What does it mean to you to be liberated? Oh, I love this question. For me to be liberated means to quiet my mind and connect with my light so that I can dip into that divine truth whenever Mm -hmm. I want. That's liberty, to really emerge with that essence that we all are, to tap into that the, the bigger reasons why we're here, the bigger deliciousness of life, the preciousness of being in this human body, in this time and space as a conscious human being. Because when you come from that place, automatically you are liberated from your fear. Mm. And without fear, you see limitless possibilities. You have limitless capabilities, creativity, resourcefulness. And that intention to get very, very quiet takes work, but nobody has to give you permission. Mm. You can do it all on your own. So that's liberty to me. Thanks, Alexa. Thanks for this time. And it was great to see you again. So good to see you. Thanks for having a podcast to give me an excuse to come. Absolutely. (laughs) Anytime, anytime. And to all you Liberty listeners out there, again, we will have everything in the show notes, all the goodness that Alexa just doled out, we'll have for you on libertyforher.com. Just check out the podcast archives. And until next week, we'll see you later. Bye. Liberty Sessions is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review Liberty Sessions on Apple Podcast. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping you to launch and grow your own ventures. You can also find us every day on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Liberty For Her. And please leave a comment using the hashtag Liberty Sessions. We want to hear your thoughts, suggestions, and brilliant ideas. Liberty Sessions is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Windham and music by Jordan Flower.